This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so glad you tuned in today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And there's so much to rejoice over, even in the midst of all of the brokenness of our culture, we celebrate those who are passing from light, from darkness to light, from death to life, and who are having their eyes open to the grace of God, such is the case uh, this week. We're celebrating the sanctity of life all week long and the hearts and lives that are being transformed by it. You know, many have called this generation the pro-life generation. And you may say, well, Chris, didn't you see all of the uh, November ballot results and all of the challenges that we face uphill battles? Let me just say that the battles are serious and I don't at all minimize them uh, for protecting life. But I also have seen in my lifetime so many victories won. And I'm convinced that if we're able to, by God's grace, remain focused on our goal, united in heart and um, unrelenting in our focus, then I believe the victories will be won as well on um, state levels and, more importantly, in hearts and minds of friends and family members across our country. Today uh, and throughout this week, I want to talk to friends that are really on the front lines of Uh, the fight for the unborn, but maybe you have questions about what does it mean to be pro-life in a post-Roe world? What does it mean to be pro-life in a uh, culture that is uh, growing, I think, pretty increasingly hostile to those whose only sin is the desire to see life honored, the dignity of all people, the image of God being recognized in the life of all people. Uh, how do we navigate these these waters in grace and truth? If you have questions about that, either on a personal level, how do I talk to people or a person that I care about or even my children about my convictions in this area in a way that helps them to see that in spite of the uh, cultural stereotypes, uh, we are not bigoted or mean-spirited or hateful. Uh, we, we are going to take your calls at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Maybe you have questions about more than just individual conversations, but how does the church leverage her strength collectively to make an impact in our cities and communities? The phone number is 877 877- Five four eight thirty six seventy five, or maybe as you listen to me, you say, "Chris, I disagree. I don't think that uh, your perspective on this is right." I want to make sure that we create a safe space to have that conversation as well. I promise you, it'll be treated with respect. The phone number to join the conversation eight seven seven. 
548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. Joining me now is Christy Stone Hamrick. She's my first guest. She is well-known to uh, our audience here. Christy is one of the most articulate voices for life in our nation today. She's a spokesperson for Students for Life of America since 2006. Students for Life has grown from a small organization made up of a few dozen student groups scattered across the country to become one of the leading pro-life advocacy organizations in the world. Christy joins me now. Hey, Christy, how are you? I am great little bit busy. Still need to pack my bags for D.C., <laughs> flying out tomorrow. Well, <laughs> but, thank uh, you for carving out a few. I as long as I have a big coat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for carving out a few moments for us. And uh, certainly we are excited about what's happening this Friday. Again, for those of you who are not aware, it's not too late. Uh, to be a part of March for Life. Uh, March for Life is happening this Friday. Some phenomenal guests, music guests. We Are Messengers are going to be there. You also have the Dungies there, Tony Dungy. I watched him on TV this weekend calling football games, but him and his wife Lauren are super passionate about life. There's a number of other speakers. Representative Steve Scalise is going to be there. Uh, Franklin Graham is going to be there. And so many more are going to be there. And so it is going to be quite the weekend. For those who are not familiar, Christy, with Students for Life of America, can you just real quickly just lay out the scope of your ministry? Because it really has grown. How large is your organization now? Well, now we have more than 1,300 groups in all 50 states, and we have a C3, and for people that don't care about the IRS, and I wish I was one of them, but I have to, um, a C3 is a nonprofit that can do charitable works, education, and we have Standing With You, a service project through that, which it's a website and uh, a way of help where you can go and find out all the services near you, in your community, in your state, and at the federal government level, because one of the number one reasons women... uh, consistently say they're getting abortionists because they say, I didn't know I had help available. I thought I was alone. I didn't Mm. think I'd have support from my family or my boyfriend. Uh, So we want you to know there's support. So we have our nonprofit help side, and then we have a political side, a C4, Students for Life Action, where we are working to get pro-life legislation passed at every level of government, federal, state, and local, everything from sanctuary cities to getting rid of chemical abortion pills at the federal level because they'll kill you. Not just yes. the baby, but you, the woman yes. who takes them. So it's really both. We consider it, we like to protect law, uh, life in law and in service, and it's going to take a lot of both. So much misrepresentation is out there, Christy. It's only grown, I think it's almost at this point, uh, heightened by politicians and pundits of the motivation that folks like you and me have for why we do what we do. And I just want to give you an opportunity. You just talked about the what of the organization, but just on a personal level, Christy, why? Why is it that you've dedicated your life to this mission? Sure. Well, I'm a very blessed person. I grew up in a faith-based home. My father and my grandfather were ministers, so I was surrounded by the gospel and the knowledge that we are created in God's image. 
So that seemed as natural to me as the idea of gravity. Of course, it's a person in the womb and outside of the womb created in God's image who has worth. But I went a secular path in my career. Uh, I became a reporter, and I was an on-air reporter at one point. And um, as I started to see women, friends of mine who had abortions, and see what a wrecking ball that was, obviously yeah. a life was lost. Um, and that's something that motivates a lot of us. But I was really inspired to move from a pro-life person to a pro-life activist by seeing the absolute devastation of abortion in the lives of friends of mine. Yeah, Abortion is a liar on so many levels. It tells you it's not a human being in the womb. Well, of course it's a human being. But it tells women that, a couple things that how you see yourself on your worst day is the truth that no one loves you and no one will help and no one cares. And so there's that big lie that women are struggling with. Uh, and then it tells you that abortion is this miracle thing that's going to solve all your problems when instead I saw firsthand how it just brought many new problems from feelings of suicide and drug addiction and relationship problems and just heartache. And then there were friends of mine who had an abortion and could never have a baby after that. So they had lost their one and only chance at a child, and I now have four. That's a real heartbreak. I mean, abortion just lies about so many things. But um, as I watched my women friends be lied to, I wanted to stop that. I wanted to do something. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for you sharing your own personal story. For me, personally, it's been a journey of just... Uh, much like you, interacting with people who um, have been lied to or who have uh, had the truth misrepresented to them and now have to live with the scars and the damage done in their life. It has been uh, the progressive understanding of what it means to really live into the fact that every person, every human being has dignity. We don't live with a utilitarian value system that says, hey, people are only as worth as much as their productivity. What we believe is that because we've been made in the image of God, and that is not only something that's a contemporary conviction, but it really is the stuff that formed our nation. It, it, It has impacted Western thought, even medicine, that people, no matter if they're a stroke victim or born with a disability, they're worth fighting for because they are worthy of dignity. And when you lose that, everyone's vulnerable. Everyone is vulnerable. But also coming to recognize the history of abortion up until now, I come from a, uh, a background that takes very seriously things like racism, sexism, classism, and abortion is the trifecta of those ills and evils. Uh, it is racist in that most uh, abortion clinics are targeting ethnic minority communities. It is uh, promotes classism because the babies make no sake about it that are treated as most vulnerable are those that are born in poor communities, poor countries around the world. They seem to be expendable and treated as if they don't have value or contribution to make to the world. And then it is also misogynistic. It's sexist. The vast majority of babies that are aborted are female babies, not even to mention the impact it has on women. And so for those who, the moms and, uh, and, their, and their family, so for those who, like me, uh, think that things like classism, racism, sexism are evils that uh, moral people should stand against, then I would invite you to revisit your convictions in this area because if we can't protect the most vulnerable among us, 
And we have zero credibility trying to argue for the rights of anyone else um, in, in, in our culture and society. Talk a little bit about the abortion is not a right tour, campus tour, so that folks can know what you what your team yeah. has been doing. Well, you know, what we do, we do campus tours and speaking tours, three a year, actually, a spring tour, a fall tour, and Kristen does a tour. And our goal is to tailor our um, campus tours. And again, we are the we are the people speaking to those who are believed to be sold out for abortion. That's not entirely true. Uh, and who everyone has said they're a sure thing to vote for abortion. That also isn't true. But that people, they're not talking to each other. Campuses are becoming so closed and so woke. Uh, but if you can't use your free, free speech rights, you don't have them. So every year we do a, small, a fall tour and a spring tour going to campuses all across the country where we um, very much tailor it to the conversation at hand. We've done tours related to domestic violence and rape when that was a big part of the culture. Uh, so right now we have abortion is not right based off the Dobbs case where for the longest time everybody said, oh, pro-lifers, go away, shut up. Abortion's a legal right. So you have no right to talk about it, no right to an alternative point of view. And so we're doing a kind of a play on that. Abortion is not a right under the Constitution. It's not in there. It never was. And the the Dobbs decision rightfully gets rid of it. Uh, And just because something is labeled a right or legal, that doesn't make it so. Enslaving people was legal. That doesn't make it right. Um, putting Japanese Americans in internment camps in World War II was legal. That doesn't make it right. Sterilizing mentally handicapped people against their knowledge and consent was a legal at one point. That's not right. And those are three different Supreme Court cases overturned for being wrong. So we're going on campuses just to challenge the idea that abortion is right and there's no other way to think about it. And if there's a law, you have to be for it. And what's so funny about that is for years when – uh, the abortion lobby just crammed the word safe, legal, and rare down our throats. Now that it's not legal, suddenly Biden's Department of Justice is sending out memos on breaking the law and how we don't need to worry about rights uh, and legalities at all anymore. That's ironic, not surprising uh, for those of us who know that abortion extremism is rife throughout the Biden administration. Um, but when you go on campuses and you say things like that, it's highly controversial. Uh, yeah. We've had urine thrown. Let, on me, let me, if I could, real quickly, struck. just just because of time, because we're up against a break, Christy, and I want you to be able to finish your thought. Let's get this break in. I'll come back and let you finish. But obviously, what Christy is describing is a direct student engagement that is happening through Students for Life at, with about forty-two thousand students across the country. And so uh, this is the front line for these conversations, and we want to make sure that we're there. Christy Stone Hamrick is with me today, spokesperson for Students for Life of America. Uh, We're going to take a short break, but these breaks only give you opportunity to join the conversation. Phone number 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675.
Let's begin this new year by committing ourselves to reading the Bible more and understanding it better. Will you join me? I have a wonderful new resource to keep us on track and inspired. It's Trillia Nubel's new book, 52 Weeks in the Word. This insightful resource even offers days of rest and reflection on what we've read. You can request your copy today with the gift of any amount to equip. Call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Christy Stonehammerick is with me today. Uh, Christy, part of what I recognize that your team is facing is a lot of not just disagreement, but a lot of disagreement with a lack of civility. How do you guys handle that? And how are you coaching maybe others who are speaking on campuses or in audiences that may be hostile to handle that? Well, I really appreciate you asking that, and I certainly ask for prayers. And sadly, this is a new budget line item that we have to have for all kinds of events to protect people who are just peacefully advocating for mothers and the preborn. Uh, so we do hire security, and we do do security training with our students. Um, they have been struck and have urine thrown on them and things stolen and vandalized and uh, right in front of them, you know, it's not it's not subtle. At a training that we did a couple of weeks ago in Nebraska, Jane's Revenge put a sign up that they were going to come back with automatic weapons if we didn't disband the event. Obviously, we called the police and the FBI. Although Biden's Merrick Garland has been Garland, uh, Merrick Garland has been very uh, uninterested in helping pro-lifers, as far as we can see. Uh, but we do it also, there's a biblical model. You know, when Jesus sent the, the, the apostles out, he sent them in twos. We yeah. buddy up. We make sure people have cameras. And uh, we also have protocols in place for uh, contacting the authorities. So we're very careful. Um, Students for Life is not an organization that is there to break laws. Some people want to break laws. We're trying to engage peacefully, so we're going to stand on the public sidewalk outside of Planned Parenthood and not block the doors. Um, we're, but we are going to be there, and we are going to share our message. Sure. And so I, I, I think uh, it, it's, it's important. complicated, though. I, I do think that it's important that we pray not only for your team, but also uh, there are increasing stories of uh, pregnancy resource centers that are being vandalized, uh, leaders who are being threatened, uh, who are simply trying to serve um, young moms who have found out that they're pregnant, they desire to keep their child, and um, they need someone who's going to walk alongside of them. Maybe their family has written them off. Maybe they're alone and isolated. And uh, I'm grateful that groups like uh, yours and others are standing with them. As a matter of fact, you had at a, uh, about 300-plus of your student groups held and held events called Stand With You, Standing With You. It's okay. an initiative that really uh, communicates the commitment of standing with uh, pregnant young women, that they don't have to be alone. Uh, they don't have to choose between their child or finishing their education. 
So I don't want people to think that this is just uh, a propaganda campaign without substance or real compassion or care. Nothing could be further from the truth. Let's go to the phone lines, uh, 877-LIVE-675 is the number, 877-548-3675. We'll start with Nathan in Chicago first. Nathan in Chicago. Hey, Nathan, thanks for calling. What's your comment? You might not be able to hear me. There's a horn blowing out uh, my window. Uh It's just, it's sad. It's sad that we will fine you $5,000 for harming an eagle egg. So how is it that, you know, life, human life is more important than an eagle egg? So it's, it's... it's really awful. Horrible, well, you horrible, you bring horrible. up you bring up uh, a uh, a very important point, and that is that animal advocacy, animal rights advocacy, has um, I mean garnered a lot of support politically, Christy, uh, in our country, and in some ways we've gotten to the point where the scales have tipped, where we're we have more laws protecting animals in some places than we do protecting human beings. And, yeah. uh, and you know what and, we're going to do though at Students for Life? Let me give you guys a, a, a tiny a beacon of hope on this point. We are working on some uh, policies related to chemical abortion pills because they'll tell you not to flush goldfish, but then they'll tell you to flush a baby down the drain. Uh, and then all that chemically tainted abortion pills, blood tissue going into our wastewater system, affecting aquatic life, animal life. Uh, we're taking our fight on chemical abortion to environmental justice. Uh, they've used it against us for years, as you just said. Yes. Uh, we're going to see what we can do with that uh, uh, with that related to chemical abortion because it's not only hurting women. Uh, we believe it's hurting the environment. Well, you, you brought up chemical abortions. I want to make sure that uh, we're able to at least uh, broach this topic. One of the things that has happened in particular – during COVID where there was uh, lockdowns and the discouragement of going to see doctors and physicians and, and, and medical professionals, it has been the rise of chemical abortions, at-home abortions that are high risk and very dangerous. Can you talk a little bit, Christy, about this and your concerns as well as what Students for Life are doing? Sure. Well, if we're not talking about chemical abortion right now, we're not really talking about abortion in America. Most abortions happen by 12 weeks, uh, and most of those take place with chemical abortion pills. Um, right now, the abortion lobby, Guttmacher, so you've got to take their numbers with a grain of salt, does more than half. But in Europe, where they actually track abortion, like a medical procedure, it can be up to 90%. And these pills kill. They um, can cause injury, infertility, death, and you get them into the hands of abusers. They use them against women without their knowledge or consent. They have four times the injury rate, ten times the death rate, and the Biden administration allows them to be sold without any health and safety standards whatsoever that would help a woman not die as well, which you would think that would matter to them. Uh, They don't seem to mind who dies as long as the baby also dies. So we're trying to confront them at the FDA and in some pending legal action uh, and using the environment as well, because these things paint the environment and harm women. And it should be enough that they kill babies. It should be enough that they kill women. It hasn't been. So we're going to keep going. We're going to bring in the environment. We're going to bring in lawsuits. We're going to bring in legislation. And I tell you what's exciting is 
just this week in West Virginia, our, one of our environmental bills was introduced uh, to uh, add requirements to chemical abortion pills to stop this environmental poisoning. And our real point here is that we're not being honest about how these pills are killing everything that they touch, including, uh, and most importantly, babies. So we're excited about it, and we're going to release some polling. I sent uh, to Chris er earlier, um, before I did this call, some secret data that we're not putting out for a couple days. Sure. But millennials and Gen Z, on the whole, they uh, do support some abortion. They do want limits, which they're never given credit for that. But more than 90% across the board think that we should not be handing out these pills with those COVID um, restrictions gone away, just like you were talking about, Chris. Yes. They think this is a terrible idea because it's killing them, killing so, their futures, killing their bodies, and I would argue potentially killing the environment too. So from a so medical it, perspective... Chemical abortion pills are going to be big news. From a medical perspective, I've done, I've done interviews with Donna... Harrison, Dr. Donna Harrison, who is the uh, president of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs. I'm going to be talking to her again soon. This is the big issue that they're talking about as well. So th for those who feel like a doctor, they need to hear a doctor talk about this. We're going to have a network of doctors headed up by Dr. Donna Harrison uh, on this Friday to talk about this and press into this topic uh, a little bit more. But as we close uh, this conversation now, uh, what's the number one thing that you want to leave us with as you get ready to prepare for Friday? Well, I would appreciate your prayers 100%. It is getting violent, and we could use the prayers. And if you go to our website, Students for Life of America or Students for Life Action, you can see the work we're doing, the opposition we face. We certainly would love you at the very least to sign up to learn more uh, and uh, to support us if you can. But prayers are needed because the yes. violence of abortion is becoming the violence of abortion supporters in the streets and people – students that I'm working with, I have real fear for them. I have real concern yes. for their, for their safety. Well, you know, just this, uh, just yesterday we reflected and celebrated the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So many misappropriate his legacy, but I will say with clear conscience that he advocated his entire life for the uh, image of God and the dignity of all people. And yes, there was sacrifice associated with it, but that sacrifice was for the generations to follow. Thank you, Christy, and all who are advocating because you're, you're making a difference both now and into the future. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today we are talking about the sanctity of life, the dignity of all human life, what it means to be um, pro-whole life, if you will, uh, obviously starting with the most vulnerable in our culture, but also thinking about the protection, the care, uh, the advocacy for the disabled, the marginalized, the immigrant, as well, seniors, those who are suffering with uh, disabilities. I just think that uh, this ethic of honoring the Imago Day in all people needs to extend uh, in our conversation. But certainly it starts, I think, in the womb. If we can't protect life in the womb, I think we lose credibility 
saying that we are committed to protecting any other life at any other stage. So today we're talking about that with uh, some really intelligent ladies. Uh, thank you to Christy Hamrick who joined me. And joining me now is Amy Ford. Amy is someone I appreciate and respect tremendously. She's the president of Embrace Grace, Inc. That's a nonprofit organization formed for the purpose of providing curriculum and leadership support for churches nationwide to open their arms to young women with unplanned pregnancies. Embrace Grace utilizes is utilized by over rather 700 churches across the nation and the world. And uh, Amy is with me today. Hey, Amy, Happy New Year. Hey, thank you so much. And quick update. We're actually up to 950 churches now. We've had 950 a and counting. I will update my paperwork. Won't he do it? Yeah, so good. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Obviously, you know that this weekend is a big weekend. Uh, it is uh, for the sanctity of life. It is March for Life uh, coming up this Friday in Washington, D.C. number of guests and folks are going to be there. Uh, but I, I just want to be able to talk about because so many people People think that all of this is about political advocacy, and there is a political side to it. We can't pretend like laws don't have moral implications because they do. But some uh, have mischaracterized uh, the uh, focus as being solely on that and not on true compassionate care and concern for women for their children, for families. So can you talk, Amy, about the mission and uh, the vision of um, uh, the the ministry that you run, Embrace Grace? Yes, well, I, I want to add really quick, too. I'm actually here in D.C. as well. And I remember the first time I came to the march, I thought, you know, our organization is just going to stand out because we're going to have such loving signs. It's all about caring for the women. It's not about the politics, you know, all that. And I was completely shocked because 90 percent of all the signs and all the people, it was about caring for the women. And so I wasn't, you know, the media likes to depict one one like maybe just the fringe few that may be a little bit, I don't know different or whatever, but they're, everyone here really cares about the women and how to help empower them as women. And so that is why we started Embrace Grace. We want to make sure that no single mom walks alone. And so we have support groups in churches all over the nation because we want the church to be one of the first places a girl runs to instead of the last because of shame and guilt. Um, I had an unplanned pregnancy myself and I went to church my entire life no one ever told me what a pregnancy center was. No one ever told me that there's amazing organizations and resources in my community that would help me. And back then, you know, we didn't have Google search engines. So, you know, right. you go in the phone book and you look up abortion clinic and you go straight to the abortion clinic. And thankfully, I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room and ended up... Mm choosing life. And my son's 24 now, but I just think back about, you know, what would it have looked like if I had thought, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Yes. What about if I went to the church and asked for prayer, wisdom, yes. guidance, support, and counsel. And so we have digital curriculum and pregnancy centers refer the girls to the churches or women to the churches. And they, it's a 12 week uh, support program. But what's so cool is the organic 
help that happens in these groups because as you're mentoring them and walking alongside them, you find out things like they need a car or they need um, a, a better job. They're in survival mode and they need the help dreaming. They um, need someone there in the delivery with them. I mean, there's so many different things. There's not a cookie cutter way to like help a woman because there's such complex issues that they're walking yes. through. But as the church, and as the gifts that God put inside each of us, we have all the resources to help empower her in this decision and yes. help her be brave and help her choose life um, and, and to make sure that no single mom walks alone. So we have that. We also have dad's curriculum called sure. Embrace Legacy for the young dads as well. So, yeah, it's I want, super I want easy to, because you just press play. I want to get into this because what you're, what you're doing is giving us tools and resources mm-hmm. to match uh, in in many ways, our motivations and passions. There are a lot of folks who are passionate, motivated, but wondering, what do I do? Well, one of the things that you can do is to invite and to um, secure resources from Embrace Grace that your church can then use to disciple, mm-hmm. to train, to equip those to have more than just good intentions, but to have competency to actually provide the needed care. Because uh, the women who are pregnant and maybe even alone or nervous or single, um, they have real needs. And we need to know how Mm -hmm. to meet those real needs. And uh, Amy, I know you just kind of said it as an aside, but praise God that uh, your 24-year-old is it's, yeah. it's alive and well, and a uh, big shout out to all the moms and dads who have chosen life, even when there was pressure that was there. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phone lines. Tony is listening in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey, Tony, thanks for calling. What's your question for Amy? Hey, how you doing? Uh, first, I'd like to say, you know, every time I call in, I contribute, and I would encourage everyone else to do the same thing. Oh, you take the time you, to listen. Well, I'm not gonna. I can't donate as much as I normally do. It's usually a lot yes. more, but I'm going to. If your producer will transfer me when when I my time's up, but I will definitely contribute. And I encourage everyone else to do the same. But my problem is the church in the church itself, especially when where Acts 17 says how Paul reasoned. When you reason with people in the church about abortion, you know they're looking for it to explicitly say it in the Bible, but. When we look at Jeremiah 1.5, Ecclesiastes 11.5, Psalms 139, I have a difficulty talking to people in the church who are pro-abortion as opposed to trying to convince them that everyone God has produced is intentional. Are there any tools available where I can tell, you know, I tell people all the time, and this is what God has given me, if you're offended, it might be true. But is there any tools like a website I can tell someone, look, Go to this website, and you weigh it out. If you really want to know, unless mm-hmm. you have a hardened heart, because the real energy is going to come behind those people who are against abortion, and it should be the church. But when the church is already compromised, it weakens the ability that we have as Christians to win this world over here and those unborn children. Are there any tools, websites, or anything available that I can recommend to someone? It's a great question, Tony. First off, thanks for listening. Uh, Amy, uh, a lot to be said. There's there's a ton of stuff that's out there. But how would you respond to Tony and others on how we can talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ who have not had their eyes opened in this area? 
Well, for sure. If you want, if you're wanting facts and stats and, and things like that, live action is a really great organization, especially if you follow their social media, they're constantly posting articles. I love how they even go to universities and have students like watch some of the animated abortions. And most of them are like, I had no idea that that is what an abortion was. Like I didn't realize, you know, that it, it looked like that. And so they're kind of as an, 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 uh, an awakening, but I will say that putting focus on the action really is such an inspiring way for pe- for hearts to change that it's not just a mindset but an actual heart we always say pro life is a stance but pro love is an action and i love how you guys are using pro whole woman but yes. the love and kindness is what um, leads to repentance and so it's all about love. So when we're offering resources and love and help to these women, we've seen with our own eyes, people start changing their mind about this issue. And when they realize that abortion is a trauma, um, and whenever we, we believe that every church should have abortion healing groups, there's great curriculum out there that's um, amazing, like um, support after abortion and surrendering the secret. And so having those support groups, you know, really leads to, well, why do we have to have a healing group for abortion? Well, it's because it's a trauma and it's something that is so hard, but it just needs to be talked about more and to say, Here's the issue, but you know what? We've got resources. If you're pregnant, we have Embrace Grace. If we, if you have had an abortion, we believe the church should be a place where they go to for healing and that we have a healing group. So we don't want you to have an abortion and go through the trauma of that. But if that is something you choose, then please come get healing yes. and and then go be the change that you want to be in the world. Go. We have tons of people that have, that lead embrace grace groups or embrace legacy groups that have experienced an abortion or helped pay for an abortion. And they want to be the change they want to see in the world. You know, revelation twelve eleven says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So sharing our story is powerful. And the more of us that have shared our story, we can change things. One yes. in four have had an abortion and the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. There's no difference. So if 25% of our churches have had abortions, let's start talking about it and let's talk about what we can do to change things. Well, and one of the big things we can do, and I appreciate uh, Tony, uh, so much of what you said, one of the big things we can do is to recognize the power of having those conversations uh, with individuals. I also want to mention Scott Klusendorf and the wonderful work that's done over at Life Training Institute. Make a note of that, Tony. Life Training Institute. You go to their website, uh, uh, prolifetraining.com, prolifetraining.com. It's their website and find out more about Scott. And uh, they're, they're helping to give the uh, scientific, philosophical, um, and theological rationale behind our convictions. Um, but it's really, it's really a great site. Um, I, I just want to say as an adoptive dad as well, and I'm grateful to have adopted three children, three additional biological. Um, I, I would say that there's so many that are doing such great work in adoption as well. So please make sure that we are are, are mentioning that. Uh, let's go to James in Pompano Beach, Florida. James has been waiting patiently. Hey, James, thank you so much for listening. What's your What's your comment today or question? Uh, my question is uh, uh, concerning Genesis 27 uh, in relation to abortion. Okay. Uh, the pro-life position is that uh, life begins or conception, uh, uh, life, uh, the soul is imparted to uh, 
the human being, the preborn, yes. at conception. Uh, and Genesis 2-7 clearly says different. It actually uh, reinforces the pro-life position. It reinforces the pro-life position and says... The pro-choice position. Uh, the pro-choice position. Okay. In fact, the pro-life position, according to the scriptures in God, of God, is false doctrine. Yeah. Life does not begin at conception. It begins okay. when you take your first breath. Okay, um, so 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 let me let me let me just say, uh, um, and and I don't mind you staying online through a break if you can, because we are up against a break. Uh, first off, you're you're looking at Genesis two and seven all wrong because Genesis two and seven records the creation of the first man and woman. So we couldn't we couldn't argue that that is normative because. They didn't go through the normal pregnancy. So Adam and Eve, to use them as an example of when life begins, is 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 not um, is not appropriately applying the text. But subsequent to that, Jeremiah one and five, uh, uh, David also says in the Psalms, "You knit me together in my mother's womb." Consistently, life is advocated for and communicated as beginning in the womb. We could talk about this more, James, after the break. We'll be right back. As a dad, a friend, and a neighbor, I share your concerns over the growing problems in our culture. That's why on Equip, we tackle the tough issues, learning how to respond with grace and truth. We're looking for like-minded partners to stand with us. Would you be willing to become an Equipper today? In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equip. And as an Equipper, you'll receive insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an Equipper today by calling 888-644-4100. Or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for all of you calling in. Um, grateful for Amy Ford joining me today from Embrace Grace Inc. Right before we went to break, James from Pompano Beach gave a call. And James, I appreciate you listening. Uh, James shared uh, his perspective that the pro-life position was anti-biblical and was a heretical position. I don't want to misquote James, um, but I think uh, James said it was a heretical position. Um, and, and obviously, I would advocate the opposite. The text that James referenced, uh, Genesis 2 and 7, uh, which is the formation of Adam and Eve, is uh, the text he uses to say that life doesn't begin until someone takes a breath. Well, two things I'll say to that. Number one, uh, again, Adam and Eve uh, are the first human beings to be created. This isn't uh, tracking a pregnancy. So uh, to use that as a basis for this discussion is just a misappropriation of that scripture. Jeremiah 1 and 5 is far more pertinent where the prophet says that um, while he was in the womb, the Lord knew him and had ordained him to be a prophet to the nation. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, for you formed me in the inward part. You knit me together in my mother's womb is what David said. Uh, Exodus 21, and I would just really encourage you to read Exodus 21, verse 22 
uh, through the end of the chapter there, where there's legal treatment given in the law of Israel on what happens to a person who strikes or harms a woman while pregnant. Uh, The pregnant child is considered to be a living person. So Israel's laws protected life in the womb. In addition to that, I also want to say, as a dad who has seen ultrasounds and been in the room when uh, I've been able to see uh, my children before they exited the womb, they are breathing in the womb. They They feel pain in the womb. Ultrasounds have removed any mystery that life begins at conception. So scientifically, what you're saying is is not right as well. And then just final thing, and I want Amy to be able to respond. The Bible is very clear in saying, thou shalt not murder. You shall not murder. Abortion at its most base definition is the termination of a human life, an innocent human life that has done nothing to deserve that. And so to say that that is an anti-biblical stance is to abandon the gospel itself. So, uh, Amy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I just want to point out, too, that the heartbeat starts at twenty around 22 days um, in the womb, so so much earlier than anyone ever would have dreamed. And, you know, God, he thought of us before we were ever even conceived. And, I, you know, the, the having sex outside of marriage, it is a sin. But a baby is not a sin. A baby is a miracle. Yes, yes. And every child is planned by God. It may be an unplanned pregnancy, but every life is planned by him. And um, and so we just want to remind even our girls that are in Embrace Grace or just, you know, thinking about that because they're so in survival mode of just thinking in that yes. moment, how am I going to be able to afford and all of that. We want to help them see the bigger picture of, of that God planned this, this life. And I've seen girls so many times who are like, I was about to commit suicide. I was mm, about to, mm. I was on drugs. I was on all this stuff. And then they get pregnant. And then God, like, it's just like this completely changes their life. It gives them something to live for and hope for. Um, You know, it's not always the case, but I've seen it so many times when they turn to God that he changes it all. And he, he takes care of all of their needs um, along the way. And uh, we always say leading embrace grace. We have front row seats to miracles because we see it over and over again. It's so beautiful. That's so great. And let me just say, so often, unfortunately, this issue is laid at the feet of women, and it's unfortunate on two levels. Number one, it presupposes women to be the only ones culpable when an abortion happens, which is wrong. But it also leaves men voiceless in this, fathers who care deeply, Mm -hmm. but often feel voiceless. That's why I thank God for your legacy curriculum. I thank God that you're engaging men. And what James's question uh, reminds me of is the amount of education that needs to happen within our churches. Mm -hmm. So that's why Embrace Grace is so important. I want you to find out more about Embrace Grace, Inc., about Amy, and about the work that they're doing to equip the church to have the adequate resources and answers to be able to not only answer the questions that arise, but to provide the care that's needed for uh, moms who are brave enough to say yes to life. Amy, thank you so much. Enjoy DC. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Friends, I can't wait till we're together again next time. Stick with us throughout this week. And until we're together again, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio. It's a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, as a parent, I recognize that today's teenagers often feel overwhelmed by the need to have life all figured out. But what do they really need to know? Youth expert Kara Powell will help us to discuss her survey of thousands of teens and the questions they're asking on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.